Cougs house. All right. So the Houston Cougar baseball team has had an incredible run through the conference portion of the regular season. But can they win the whole darn conference in their last athletic events in the AAC and then do more? You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Antrith, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way we can lay some Cougs into your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Uh, welcome back to the YouTube channel. Remember, at 1,250 subscribers, are giving away a hat that looks just like mine. Look, Cougar on the front, Locked On the side, Nike drive and all that. Brand new hat for someone at 1250. They're doing some sort of giveaway every 250 subscribers here at the start. So make sure to subscribe so we get there. And then like and comment down below to let us know that you are entered into the contest. If, as we talk all about baseball today, you're like, man, oh man, I'm just, I'm just all baseballed out. I don't know what to comment down below this. Tell us what program you're looking forward to not having to play ever again in the American Athletic Conference as moving to the Big 12. So, Let's keep this thing moving. We are about to talk a lot of baseball with one Jeremy Branham. Now, Jeremy is a big-time voice in Houston, uh, hosts the Killer Bees on 97.5 in the Houston area, um, talks about Houston baseball, talks about Houston Astros, all things Houston on 97.5. So we're excited to bring him in and talk a little bit of Cougar baseball. Without further ado, let's bring him on in. And we are joined by Jeremy Branham. You may recognize the voice around town on 97.5. But Jeremy, how are you doing today? We caught you in the airport. Where are you headed? I'm headed to Clearwater, Florida. Watch the American Conference Tournament. So if we get any of the uh, the PA, the intercom, uh, you know, we're slamming the door on your face as you miss your flight. I, I apologize in advance. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So you're heading to Tampa, Florida for weirdly, um, I guess, unless they move the Big 12 tournament, what might be the last time, right? Like, I don't know what else you're going to yeah. do in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've thought about that. I, I, I love Clearwater. Um, we've been going here for, for some time. So I've kind of, I've gotten a lay of the land. I, I know the good places to eat. Uh, the certain the certain parts of the beaches that I like. So, yeah, it's uh, it's bittersweet. You know, it's you know sweet going to the, the Big Twelve, but it's bitter. I'm gonna have to like vacation here now. They're not gonna play, <laughs> pay for my flight, and my room. I'm gonna have to like go on my own dime, which is always a little bit uh, more difficult. <laughs> a little bit more difficult, but you know, I guess there's some fun Big Twelve cities, right? I mean, like manhattan kansas or i don't that's not quite a little apple <laughs> yeah I don't, i'm trying to think of where i'm trying to think of some more appealing to come up with <laughs> um i've been enough. to manhattan kansas I, i've been there actually i i i've enjoyed my time in manhattan as well there's no beaches there no. uh, but there's there's fun to be had <laughs> fair enough it's not quite the big out but little apple it's got it's got stuff on um can we talk about i want to talk some about the conference tournament you're headed off to go see um but i want help putting in perspective for the listener that, you know, college baseball is not on television, we kind of be, kind of be looking for certain things. Um, yeah. What, how, how ridiculous is this Cougar baseball season right now? Because I got to be honest, the first time we talked about baseball about 10 weeks ago, they looked dead in the water. 
I would say the pitching. You know, they've they've came into the season expecting tons of offense, and I think we're starting to see that offense. Maybe a little bit slow out of the gate, but I've been more consistently once conference play began. Uh, but probably the pitching is the the biggest reason for you know why you've seen the improvement. You know, coming into the year, you know, roles weren't really defined yet, and it takes a little bit of time defining those roles. But the talented staff, and then they had tons of injuries. I mean, they got snake bit by multiple season enders for players that are pitchers that were going to be big factors for this team. Kyle Calameta uh, was you know your opening day Saturday starter. He made his first start, then left the game in his first inning of his second start out for the year. Uh, Jose Torrealba came into the season. He was supposed to be your closer. I mean, that's pretty high leverage spot, as big a leverage spot as there is in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, several other guys that we never really got to see their talent, never really got to see their skill. So the injuries were were devastating early in the year. And now you're starting to see the coaching kind of come into play with that pitching staff, you know, carving out a role for Josh Eckness, you know, being kind of the Friday night guy. And you've seen the development having a career year. Kate Satelli, uh, Kate another guy who – is a uh, you know transfer has a very talented arm hasn't always put it together he's put together some solid starts uh, even if you go back and you look at uh, Paul Schmitz who's the big freshman from Germany you know he, he's <laughs> looking like a really solid piece and then you lost him at the start of conference play actually started the regular season finale so maybe he can give you something a little bit in the clear water as well so snake bitten with injuries early hard to define the roles because you didn't really know who you had yet and now you're starting to see that you know Kyle Bunn and what he brings to that pitching staff starting to come into fruition. You mentioned the exciting bats they've had on display all year and that they kind of knew that was the case coming into the season. Um, obviously, we're going to talk extensively, I assume, at some point about Justin Murray and how crazy a year he had in his first year in the American Athletic Conference. Um, but you have uh, Chulamero, Zach Arnold, uh, it seems like a, a collection, a by-committee kind of thing. Am I wrong there? No, I think it's a kind of a sum of all its parts. I mean, you have your better offensive players. You know, you, you mentioned a few of them with Justin Murray and, you know, you have Zach Arnold and th those guys are legitimate, you know, all-conference selections. I was looking at the news today, you know, two all-conference guys. I know a lot of people felt that Justin Murray got snubbed a little bit for the conference player of the year, which I'll hear that argument. Um I would say definitely, you know, kind of a committee approach. I would go one step further and say it's an offense that doesn't really have tons of holes, right? You know, Drew Bianco is currently batting ninth on, your, on this team, and he was your opening day leadoff guy. So you have, you know, you have guys throughout the entire lineup that are factors. And you can even go to the bench and look at, look at factors. I mean, I think that this team has four starting outfielders. They only play three. Uh, so, you know, winning kind of goes with the handedness game, lefty versus righty, righty versus lefty, who has the hot hand. Uh, Thomas Lissy, he's emerged late in the season. We've seen him make some, a few starts. Hit a big home run against UCF in the series finale. That was the go-ahead the go ahead run scored off of that you know weird eighth-inning travel curfew game. You know, Brandon Burkell has been a steady force, leads the league in stolen bases. And then Ian McMillan, you know, the captain, they call him the Admirable or the Admiral. He's a you know, steady force there in the bottom of the lineup. So it's a lineup that is kind of relentless because there's not an easy line, line. There's not an easy spot. There's not a pocket that you can attack. But you look at a lot of really good offenses that, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe it's not very good. You can attack the bottom of the order. But uh, this lineup's good from top to bottom. So we've, we've danced around Justin Murray. And, and again, I do think that there's more than just him on this order. And you mentioned that top to bottom, it's a pretty good batting lineup. But Murray is leading the team in average. He's what do I have him down here as second or third on third on the team in run and home runs, and he also has the second best ERA on the team. Um, he was pitcher of the week last week. 
and also just won, and so it felt like the same week, but he just won newcomer of the year in the conference award. Yeah. Put into perspective, like what does that season look like for Justin in his first year in Houston? You know, it's wild, honestly. Like I don't think that they had tons of plans for him to pitch, especially in the high leverage, you know, situations that he was kind of that he's kind of earned. He's earned these positions, you know. I've talked to some people that said he didn't have a great fall on the mound, and there were some thoughts that, you know, he might kind of be a middle reliever, uh, kind of a mop-up guy on the mound. And, I mean, he's kind of earned this spot, and the Cougars were in need to, to find some back-end leverage guys because of some key injuries. Jose Torrealba, chief among them. And uh, it's been fun watching him. I mean, he comes in late in games. Every high-leverage high game that you're in, seven, eight, nine inning, you know, Justin Murray is going to be called upon. You know, it's interesting. He leads. He's the team saves, one of the leaders in saves, also leads the team in wins. So it shows you to go to him in a tie game in the seventh, tie game in the eighth. You know, not necessarily not necessarily your prototypical, like, save situations. And then offensively, I mean, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been – he and Zach Arnold, you know, they kind of take their turns on which of the two are the, the better offensive players. And then you have Anthony Tulamero who you can throw in the mix there at times. But uh, it's a lot of fun watching him. You know, he's a little different than Shohei because Shohei's a two-way player that starts, right? Like, Wichita State has a guy named Peyton Tolley who DHs for them, and then he, he's uh, their Saturday starter, I believe. At least he was whenever we played him. So it's, you know, he's a two-way guy that starts games, and then he bats in the middle of their lineup. But not too often do you see it with the guy being a back end of the, you know, bullpen guy. So it's always funny when Kyle Bunn will come to the mound and make the pitching change, and he, you know it's just – when he's coming in because Bun will have the pitching glove in his hand. So you see Bun leave the dugout <laughs> with the pitching glove, Justin Murray's pitching glove in his hand. He's like tosses it to him. They trade out the first base mitt. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. But, I mean, he's a he's a heck of a player. I know that Brock Rodden won the player of the year, and he's a really good player too. But if I had a vote, and they don't allow me to vote because I'm a homer, but uh, I would have I <laughs> picked Justin Murray. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned it feels exactly like Shohei. I mean, like it – he has the same kind of dominance on the Houston roster anyway. Like, I, obviously, there's a difference between a starter and, and a DH and all that kind of – but, like, he feels like he has just the same kind of impact. I, I've i been amazed watching this year. I hadn't really seen a whole lot like it where he does so many different things at the college level. Um, I do want to talk for a second, though, as we jump into the second segment, talk some about this conference tournament that you're off to see. All right, so it is officially time to make a fast break to FanDuel – during the NBA playoffs, because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet to $1,000 to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I'm telling you, and this may be because our Houston Rockets are obviously out of the playoffs, never in the playoffs, I should say. Um, but I've really, really enjoyed watching Tom Ball's own Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat for Wednesday night, for Tuesday night's game, I'm sorry. Uh, they have the Heat favored by just one and a half points in the over under. Set at 216. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm taking the heat, but I'm thinking after watching how Boston kind of quit on Missoula and the whole situation in game three, that that actually may be under 216 in a heat victory. But I am taking the heat. I'm taking them at even the one and a half. And I am also taking the under 216. I'm telling you to do it at Fatal because there's no better place to bet all playoff action at America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Wichita State has a guy that does both pitch and bad. And da, da, da. Wichita State's kind of a sore subject because 
before we get into seating of the tournament oh, and, and no. preview Tulane and stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> you're chuckling. That game got canceled to end that series. Houston won both of the first two. So I think it stands to reason that they would have won the third, right? Um, but it got canceled, and Houston comes in second in the conference by a half game. Um, it, am I jumping to conclusions to assume that they kind of got screwed there? I think you'd be jumping to conclusions if you were to guarantee a victory in that game, but I, I don't think you'd be jumping to conclusions to say that they got screwed. Um, it's, it's, to play that game would have been difficult, so it's kind of one of those things where it's more of a really bad luck maybe than any anybody like screwing you or any bad decision or anything like that. It was just very unlucky. Um, I was pretty upset about it, I'll be completely honest, like right when it happened because I, I – the implications of it were pretty, pretty dramatic in the sense that even like the way that I've been saying it is that the Cougars lost the opportunity for the opportunity to win the championship. Cause there's no guarantee you're going to win that game in baseball. You know how it is. Wichita state's a really good team with some really good pitching and some really good hitting. So there's no guarantee you're going to win the game, but they lost an opportunity to win a game that would have won them a conference championship. So it's a huge gut punch. And the, the, the frustrating part about it is even if you would have lost that game against Wichita State, the series finale, it wouldn't have changed the scenarios and the implications of what needed to happen down the stretch because you had the tiebreaker on East Carolina. So the tiebreaker is already worth a half a game so that you had a half a game on East Carolina and then you had the tiebreaker. It wouldn't have mattered had you lost that series finale against Wichita State. You would have been tied with Wichita State or with East Carolina if you lost. East Carolina would have to finish with a one game better record than you down the stretch. I think there were six games left. But if you would have won the game, now East Carolina has to jump you two games. So there was no downside of losing. The downside of not playing and then not winning cost you potentially two games. And I had a bad feeling as soon as it happened that Houston was yeah. going to lose the conference by a half game because I just knew the scenario. I knew the implications and the ramifications of what had happened. And right whenever they decided to cancel the game, I was like, if we lose this lead by half a game and – Turns out that was the case. It's exactly, yeah, exactly. And frankly, I don't mean to diminish the the run East Carolina went on to end the year by any stretch, but oh, it just kind of felt like Houston has had this year. I mean, the first time they've won every conference series in the American, right? I mean, it was kind of this fortuitous year where all that is missing is that regular season conference championship. And and that half game ends up being such a big, important thing. Um, can we talk some about Tulane? Tulane is we, – we get Tulane – uh, on Tuesday, you're on your way there. Uh, first pitch is at three o'clock Central Time. Am I correct there? I think it's three o'clock. Maybe it's is it three o'clock Eastern? I got it backwards. Um, but it no, it's three Central. It's three Central, but you three know, Central tournament baseball. <laughs> I'd be stunned yeah. if it started in three Central. Oh yeah, because it's got to be uh, what is it? There's two games before it probably on this. I'd assume on the same field there in Florida. Regardless, yeah. they play in Tulane, and that takes me to a fun three-game series that Houston, I guess, did win all three games, but, like, they they were exciting games, right? Yeah, they were tight. You know, Tulane's got some top-end pitching. If you, um, you you look at their one-two punch at the top of the rotation, and Houston had really good success against their, their Friday guy, Dylan Carmouche, but Dylan Carmouche has been nails all year long. And then you look at uh, Castro, who's their, their Saturday starter. I'll be interesting to see who Tulane decides to throw tomorrow. That will be pretty fascinating. You know, he had he had some good success against Houston. You know, Cougars touched him up a little bit, but, you know, had a solid start, went, I think, six innings. Uh, and then Houston was able to get to the bullpen. So, you know, Tulane's formidable, especially whenever they have one of those two guys on the mound. They're, they're Like, it's baseball. Anybody can beat anybody. 
But if you have a Dylan Carmouche on the mound, if you have a Castro on the mound, certainly capable of, of beating anybody in this league. This league's been pretty even, even from top to bottom. And they have, you know, they have some guys at the top of their lineup, you know, maybe one through five, one through six, that, that can beat you, that are dangerous. So, you know, it's a, a seven seeds. You know, people look at the seed line a lot of times. Oh, it's guaranteed victory. One, it's baseball. Anything <laughs> can happen. And Tulane's a pretty live seven, especially with the pitching that they have at the top. It'd be, easy, it'd be better to get them later in the tournament after they burn those two guys. But at the start of the tournament, they'll be, they'll be tough. Well, it's funny you pull up. So I pull up the box scores to make sure I'm got my stats right as we talk through it. That third game was 17 to 11, and like <laughs> a comeback 17 runs at that. Like that was an exciting Sunday um, of the series, uh, and the saving that was Justin Murray for whatever it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a fun! I hope I hope we have some something fun that goes our way. I guess I should say on Tuesday like that. Um, operating as if they win, they then have either. Uh, Wichita State or Memphis in the second game. I say operators have to win. I guess technically if they don't, if they lose, they're not out, right? It's a double elimination right. deal. Um, so it's not the end of the world if they do face a great pitcher like you're mentioning and, and have a rough day uh, from the plate. But uh, Wichita State kind of takes us back to that same series. So they won two games and got rained out. Memphis, they beat twice. Um, there's some like rivalry across all athletics in Memphis. That would be fun to kind of rub one in their face <laughs> on the way out. Um, what do you see in projecting across the rest of the tournament, though? How realistic would Houston winning this thing be? Well, I think it's in play. Uh, you know, you're talking about how they've won every conference series that they've had all year. First time that Houston Cougar baseball has won every conference series uh, that they played in a, in a season. 77th year of Houston Cougar baseball history. And they did something this year that they've never done before. So I think, it, I think it's in play. Um, you know, there's certain paths that probably make it easier than others. You know, we talked about all the injuries with the pitching staff. You know, last year, Houston won their first two games, and then UCF came out of the, the loser's bracket and won that game six, forcing game seven. Now, Houston ended up winning that game seven and went to the conference championship game. But, you know, maybe losing that game six cost you some pitching, you know, in the conference championship game. So some paths are easier than other paths, uh, obviously, especially in a tournament. Um, Wichita State is – I, I love Wichita State's roster. Now, the Cougars have had success against them, and they've hit some guys that, that haven't really been hit around the league. But, you know, Houston went in – I guess they played five times. So they won four or five. The only loss was the, the middle game up, up at their place. They have three guys at the top of their rotation that can go. You know, they have a reliever or two that can go. And their lineup is – dangerous you know they have chuck ingram who ended up winning the batting title in the league is there like a kind of not prototypical leadoff guy tons of power uh, brock rodden won the conference player of the year and that guy is one of the best second basemen in all of college baseball like he I, I love his game so wichita state's really good and then memphis they're scrappy you know they're under a first year head coach you know how you know first years can go where you kind of get you know maybe some players decided to leave maybe some players you're, you're bringing in from lower levels but they're scrappy they like to run a lot they try to put pressure on your pitching staff and then they have i'm escaping uh, the name's escaping me at the moment and i'm curious to see when they use him because they actually pitched him on um, friday so he'd probably be on short rest if he went tomorrow but they have a they, they have maybe the most talented starting pitcher in the league probably going to be the the highest draft pick in the league uh memphis does so if you can escape him you avoid him you, you like your chances a little bit better and then they have one of the better closers in the league too so you know both uh both memphis and wichita state present their challenges i don't think you worry about anybody else on the other side of the bracket it's kind of one of those we'll cross that bridge when we get there because if you're playing in a championship game it's like okay well we'll worry about that when we worry about that right. um you know tulane's gonna 
Tulane throws one of their top two guys. They're going to be tough. And, you know, I love Wichita State's roster in Memphis. Again, you know, that, that starter is probably the best talent in the entire American conference. Well, and I think the interesting thing is, is that, you know, I think just if I looked just at box scores, I'd feel pretty good about Houston's side. But when you go back and check the tape for like a bit, like those are those are very talented baseball teams on this sure. side. That that one versus two seed, that half game we keep talking like that ended up being really important here. The other side looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Yeah, I've been I've been saying this for maybe three series into the league that I kind of felt that that the top three were the top three, you know, East Carolina, Wichita State, and Houston. I feel like those are the best three teams in the league. And I don't think it's much of a drop-off to the rest of the league. Like, I think you could put four through eight kind of all on the same tier. I think you could put one through three in the same tier. I don't think there's much of a drop-off from that top tier to the bottom tier at all, especially given specific days. You know, Memphis with their ace on the mound might be in that top tier. Right. Um, it's just Cincinnati when their bats are hitting might be in that top tier. So I don't think there's a huge drop-off there. Um, but if you – you know, agree with that notion that East Wichita State are the top three, and they finished top three, and they were really the only three teams that were in the conference race three week three weekends left in the season. You wanted to be the one seed so you could avoid the other two, right? Because if you're East Carolina now, East Carolina is in a bracket with three teams that we're thinking aren't quite in that top tier. So the the one seed was was an advantage this year, I think, maybe even more than others because I think it's a three team league. Um, depending on the day, but um, yeah, the East Carolina gets to be kind of, you know, by themselves. And then again, Cincinnati, UCF, USF on paper, at least. And of course, baseball is baseball, not played on paper Uh, on paper. At least I think that the one has a little bit more of a clearer advantage than most years. Definitely. And so let's talk about the ECU matchup that would potentially happen. Although I do think Houston's got a tough road. Um, And then uh, then I want to ask you some about what comes afterwards, because I think, if you were to ask me in like early March, well, anyway, let's, let's do one thing at a time. East Carolina potential final matchup. Um, obviously, the first round went Houston's way and kind of started this crazy run through the American. Um, that's been weeks ago at this point. Both teams sure. look different. Um, what would you What would you remind a someone, a casual observer, about that matchup several like, ten weeks ago at this point? Yeah, that was the first conference series of the year. Um, so it's been that long ago, you know, that was the, the last opponent that you faced in the league. Uh, cause it was the first one. I, I can't remember how many games I did in that series, but basketball was still going on. I think they had, a, I think the, you know, they were eliminated the weekend before, and then I had an obligation. So I missed the Friday game, but did Saturday, Sunday, um, East Carolina is probably the bell cow of the league for the last three, four years. I think they've won the last four conference titles, 23, 22, 21, didn't play in 20 because of COVID, and then 19. So they've won four straight regular season titles, not four straight years. People like to nitpick that. Four straight uh, <laughs> four straight seasons that they've won the American. So they're the bell cow of the league. You know, they're the, they're the only team that's going into Clearwater knowing that they're going to be playing next week. You know, everybody else in the American has to win this, this week. If they don't, they're not making you know, a regional. Um, East Carolina is always really good. They always have a lineup that has a couple of pros. They're always a kind of a dynamic lineup too, where they can they can play the lefty righty game a little bit too. Their coach Godwin, Coach Godwin, uh, he likes to to mix and match a bit. But they're always formidable offensively. Always really good offensively. Play to their park a lot. You know, you look at their home and road record; it's a little bit different. 
And then, you know, they always get good starting pitching. Last year was kind of an anomaly there. They, they used openers a lot. But this year they've kind of gotten back to a truer rotation, and they're always really good in the bullpen. You know, it, it's, they don't blow many leads. So, yeah, they're a tough team. I mean, they're, they're the best team in the league on paper. So, so I think that I know the answer here, but it looks like just because the American is not the same prestigious conference that we'll be in next year, right? Uh-huh. Houston probably has to win this thing to keep playing into June, it looks like. Would, would, would that be fair? Yeah, I'd probably go a step further and say that it's a guarantee. Uh, you know, that people might not want to hear that, but I, I think if you're being realistic about it, it's, I mean, you have an RPI. I haven't, I haven't even paying attention to the RPI because it's kind of been an afterthought for, for a while. I think the last time I looked, it was in the, the mid-90s. I think it's still around there. If, remember, if, if I'm guessing right, it's still probably around the mid-90s. So, you know, teams don't get into the tournament with mid-90 RPIs. They just don't. You know, Houston, you don't expect the American Conference to to be as down in the RPI as they normally are. You know, usually it's a top five, top six conference. This year, I think they were they were kind of alternating between ninth and tenth, you know, in the country. So that makes it tough. You know, East Carolina, I think East Carolina is the only lock. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty confident saying that because the other teams around the league just don't have the RPI necessary. Uh, to be a regional team. So East Carolina wins the tournament. It's more than likely a, a one-bid conference. And if anybody else wins it, then it'll be a two-bid because, you know, East Carolina is going to be in a regional for sure. And that was going to be my question was, if Houston wins, East Carolina still makes this thing, right? And that's because they're they're not – I mean, on top of the fact that they swept a couple of series in the stretch here, yeah. their non-conference schedule was strong and impressive, and they won a lot of those games. Houston was dealing with those injuries we talked about at the Open, right? I mean, that – that kind of set set them back a little bit. So Houston's got to win this week to keep playing, and that that kind of makes it fun, right? That makes it fun. Um, you're gonna be covering it on the ground. Where can people find you and listen to you talk it through? And because you're you're covering the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on the call of every game. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go to the the Varsity Network app, really for for all of our uh, coverage that we produce. Football games air on the Varsity Network app. You know, the basketball games, men's and women's airs on the Varsity Network app. All the baseball games are on the Varsity Network app. You know, I think most people, you know, sometimes not really uh, aware of the Varsity Network app. My fault. You know, I don't do a great job of, you know, I guess marketing that as well as I should. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, f- football and basketball were on you know, terrestrial radio at 9.50 a.m., but for if you're not local, if you're not local, if you're not within the, you know, the satellite signal, if it's a baseball game you're looking to listen to, if it's a women's basketball game you're listen, you, you want to listen to, I highly encourage the Varsity Network app. You can go in there and you can p- plug in your favorite team. I think you can set up notifications and remind you of when games are going on the air. Uh, you know, really easy nowadays. We, we live, as you know, you know, kind of this <laughs> podcast era where we just, you know, pull up the what we want to listen to. We plug it in our CarPlay. As the Varsity Network app. Um, I recommend downloading if you are listening to Cougar Things outside of like the big marquee names obviously um that is jeremy branham of 97.5 espn radio in houston covers the kooks across a number of different stations and outlets thank you for coming on again today jeremy it's been fun talking cougar baseball we're gonna cheer him on all week because it sounds like we've got to go kooks go kooks 
All right. That's all we've got today. Thank you again to Jeremy for coming on the show, talking a little bit about the Cougar baseball program. Again, we don't spend a whole lot of time, occasional segments here and there, talking about the Cougar baseball program. They had a heck of a season and are embarking onto the final postseason as a representative of the American Athletic Conference that Houston will ever have. So it's exciting news and kind of nostalgic news in a weird way. Um, so thanks for Jeremy to thanks to Jeremy for guiding us through that. Thank you all so much for tuning in, uh, listening to Lockdown Coos and making Lockdown Coos your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend to go to Locked On Astros. They're talking about Corey Jolks and all kinds of other things in the pro side of Houston baseball as well. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, they have a fun, fun time over there as well. Also, former, you know, current teacher over there. Um, so go check them out for your second listen today. Uh, Locked On Cougs is a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.